following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. College Bowl Game by Game Part 2 with my Wise Guy Roundtable. Full house. To my right, Brad Powers. In front of me, Ken Thompson. To my left, the special guests who just wouldn't leave. Well, we wouldn't let them leave. Steve Fezzik, I'm R.J. Bell. Guys, this is part two. We're starting with the games on 12-23, the 23rd of December, and going to 12-28. We've got 15 games, and this is unlike any show ever. We've got a double best bet. Never seen it in all our years. They only get one best bet and two of them on the same game. We also have a bonus bet, bet, best bet from Fez. It was a best bet last week, but he looked a day ahead. So we're going to get that one again and a fresh one from Fez. We've got three crossfires. One of them's a two-on-one Andre the Giant special. And I mean, I would say I've never seen so much action in one set of games. So let's get straight to it. Stanford. And by the way, last thing. We're going to go in reverse chronological order. So if you've started to listen and it's after the 23rd, well, you can just stop when we get to the day that's already passed, right? Whatever that day is. So even if you're listening, let's say on the morning of the 28th, well, just listen to these first handful of games. We're doing that for your convenience. First game, Stanford, TCU, this right now, and we're taping on Tuesday in Las Vegas. and. TCU is favored by two and a half with a little bit of extra juice. And can you like Stanford in this game? Yeah, I like Stanford a lot because Bryce Love, now that ankle or both ankles uh, really have had time to heal. And I think Bryce Love at 100% is good enough to have won the Heisman Trophy. He didn't miss a game during the regular season, but this guy can pick him up, put him down. And I noticed that he was pretty solid when McCaffrey was still there, but he didn't get the ball near as much that he needed it. Again, Costello has changed things since he took over at quarterback, so I like that. Here's a team plus 15 in turnovers, too. Highest out of anybody playing in bowls, the most positive side as far as uh, turnovers. Great set of tight ends with Smith, Schultz, and Parkinson. I mean, these guys have 12 TDs between them, so lots of weapons for Costello. For TCU, I like the team, but again, Kenny Hill is still that X factor that makes mistakes in big games, and I think he'll be under pressure. I think the Stanford linebackers will be blitzing, and Stanford's very physical, and so I think it's a good team to combat TCU. I think the Cardinal are the right side. I think they win this ball game by seven or more. All right, like from Ken on Stanford. Brad, you thought a lot of Bryce Love entering the season. You bet him. How, what was your ticket in the Heisman? Ticket on the Heisman was 100 to 1. And how much did you get paid for it? Zero. Man, it's a tough business sometimes. Yeah. I get the number, he got second, right? Do they tell you who's second? They don't, right? Yeah, so no, you, he came in second. Oh, he did come in yeah. second. Ugh. Ugh. All right, so leader like on this game. Yeah, I lean with Stanford here. And, and number one, what I've seen from Gary Patterson, the head coach at TCU, is he's a high-intensity coach. And we've talked about this in the past with Bill Snyder. 
a lot of times these high intensity coaches aren't necessarily great bowl coaches because you kind of wear your team out in the three, four weeks of practice. How about him? Two and six against the spread his last eight bowl games on the flip side, underdog role for Stanford. They've thrived in it for six or seven years straight, 11, three and one all time. As far as under David Shaw, 10 outright upsets out of those 11 covers, 10 straight of those outright upsets. So they're in their preferred underdog role. The only reason it's not a like for me is I don't know that Bryce Love is going to be 100%. If he's 100%, this goes from lean to like for me. And we'll be touching on the concepts that we've shared that are big picture macro concepts. But one of them is when it comes to coaches who, as you mentioned, uh, are high intensity, there's the whole wear out factor. And also there's an additional factor. We've seen this, I think, with Bill Snyder, that a coach will... there's so much intensity that the bright lights of the bowl game added to that gets them a little tight. So they're a little, they're afraid to make a mistake and it's hard to win a football game that way. And and you look at it, usually those coaches that overwork the teams are also the ones they might be a little tight. I'm not sure what percentage of those factors add up to the underperformance, but you often see that. And even a bigger picture is the bowl history of the coach matters. The bowl games are unlike anything else. So if you find a situation, I'm pounding the desk. I'm not serious. If you find a situation where a, a bowl coach has a good ATS history, I don't care about straight up against the spread is by definition expectation. And if they exceed it, I don't care. If they win the game or not. That means they did better than the market thought they would. And if they are supposed to win by 20 and they win by 18, they fallen short. And those ATS records, I think, mean a lot because this is such a unique situation. I mean, imagine like tennis where there's like this one surface that they only play on once a year. It's like this clay, but it's so it's like you sink an inch. Like, say you're playing tennis on sand or something. Well, if some guy was seven and oh in that sand surface against an oh and seven guy, would you say it's low? You know, it's uh, the, statistically it's not significant. Well, perhaps not. But when you only got those handful of data points for something so different like bowl games, I think it, it's very meaningful. You know, RJ, when you talked about that, you don't even have to say a different type of clay. Look what Rafael Nadal has done throughout his life. I mean, nobody wins Roland Garros except Nadal. He lost one time in the last, what, 11 years? No, you're absolutely right. If you handicap tennis, <laughs> I still remember before I handicapped tennis as I was at the Mirage. I remember this is was 98. And I look up and I saw Sampras was something like the third favorite at the French. I'm like, he's the best player. What's going on? I didn't understand. You know, I didn't handicap tennis. The clay matters. The reason I kind of was talking about uh, a sand surface in this hypothetical is the bowl games are a one time a year thing on clay. There might be 10 or 12 tournaments a year. People, you know, various clay court players will play on clay, but you're right. It's the same. There's something very specific that doesn't happen often and I think the stats really matter when it comes to the coach's ATS record. All right, Fez, you actually lean. Yeah, lean to Stanford. And I'm going to bet this as soon as it's confirmed that Bryce Love is going to play. He's probable. All reports looks like he's going to play. Um, would you guys say 95%, 97%? Uh, 90. Just 90. So I need confirmation. He is so important. Let me th- give the stats. It's amazing. We talk all the time in the NFL, hey, running backs don't matter. In college, running backs can matter. Bryce Love has been banged up all year long. He hasn't been 100%. He's averaging 8.3 yards per carry. The number two guy for Stanford's averaging 4.5. The number three guy, 3.7. So literally, 
Love gets eight over eight yards per carry, even at not a hundred percent. The other guys get four yards per carry. Imagine if he plays and he's a hundred percent, how important he is to the team. And I actually find those stats interesting because it's apples to apples, right? Is we could say, Oh, because of them doing this and this on offense, the running backs get, you know, a bunch of yards per carry, but they don't carry it much or whatever. But you're looking at the same offense. And obviously, if, if the second best guy is getting half as many yards, that's uh, a pretty strong sign of how good Bryce Love is. But not quite good enough, Brad. No, not quite. Next game. <laughs> this is, oh, guys, see, going in reverse order means we don't even make you wait for the best bets. This is Ken Thompson's best bet of these batch of 15 games. Virginia Tech, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State favored by four. Ken, when are we going to play Blossom? We'll play Blossom before the double best bet. So, Ken, who's your best bet? Oklahoma State's going to be my best bet. And the line's actually gone for me, and I don't get it. I mean, Virginia Tech's a physical team. There's no doubt Justin Fuente's a good coach, a good replacement there for Beamer Ball. Josh Jackson, outstanding quarterback. But they're missing McMillan in the, McMillan in the backfield. That's a, a loss, but it's not a major loss like Cam Phillips is. Cam Phillips is their all-everything receiver. They have Savoy, who's decent. And he's even questionable himself. But Cam Phillips is that guy. And when you take away a Julio Jones from the Atlanta Falcons, you know about it. It's the same thing with Virginia Tech. Cam Phillips is their go-to guy, uh, you know, 71 receptions on the year, and by far uh, their best receiver. So with him being out, I really think Oklahoma State, when you have a prolific offense like that and the most wide-open offense, I think, in college football with Mason Rudolph running the show, you have two outstanding running backs in Hill and King and then three of the best receivers with Washington and uh, McCleskey and Aitman. Those guys are outstanding, and I think Oklahoma State is going to outscore Virginia Tech. VT, you know, there'll be uh, some resistance early, but I think Okie State just coming at them too much, spread them out, not enough speed there for Virginia Tech to stay with all the receivers. Okie State wears them down, wins by double digits. Best bet, Oklahoma State, Ken Thompson. So, Brad, you've got to lean on Okie State. I want two main things from you. One, what part of his handicap do you agree with the most? And number two, what's kept you from liking Okie State? Uh, well, here's what I agree. I do agree that the two guys being out, particularly Cam Phillips, is significant. And why is it significant? Because you need playmakers to go toe-for-toe toe with one of the best offenses in Oklahoma State across from the field. So if you're missing a couple guys and prevents you from scoring a time or two, that's going to be significant. The reason why it's not a like for me is on the other side of the football. I think Virginia Tech's defensive backfield, Bud Foster, you give him a month of prep for a good offense. I think they're able to slow down Oklahoma State. This will be one of the best defenses Oklahoma State has seen all year. But I just think on the whole, Virginia Tech's overrated. Played two top 25 teams in my power ratings. Lost both of them by double digits. I, I just think they're an overrated team feasting upon a weak schedule. Lean with Oklahoma State. Okay, Fez, you actually passed this baby, and we give you one pass at all the 15 games, obviously both these guys like Okie State. What is it that's keeping you off it based on what they've said? And I, I want to bet Okie State. I agree. My numbers, our power rating numbers, make it minus seven. It's the motivation. We got Okie State. They're playing for a Big 12 title, aspirations of a national title. I just don't know if they're excited to be in this bowl game. So, and that's back to the macro factors, which is, the number one handicapping factor in bowl games is passion, excitement, motivation, however you want to describe it. Does the team want to be there? 
and you question that. Ken, does that concern you at all? No, the reason but why is because Oklahoma State didn't play in the Big 12 championship game. Had they lost there, then it's even more frustrating because you're right there. You're one step away. But it was already in. Reality already set in when TCU and Oklahoma were battling for the Big 12 championship. Therefore, Oklahoma State had time to regroup, realize that Mason Rudolph, who won the best quarterback in the country award, didn't win the Heisman, but actually beat out Mayfield as far as the award for the best quarterback. They have something to prove, and they get a good, stiff matchup with Virginia Tech, and I think they're going to be fired up to play in this bowl game. And it's Disney World. How can you not get excited? How many people from Oklahoma went to Disney? You know what's funny? I heard about this on Joe Rogan. I love Joe Rogan's podcast. And I looked it up, and I haven't read it yet. I have it bookmarked. You know there's gangs at Disneyland? Really? Yeah, so what happens is (laughs) it's like, you know, again, I'm not going to say it's like, you know, the gangs in big cities. But they literally have like groups of 12 or 16 and they all they got like colors and they have patches and like one is like the, you know, the the war frats or, you know, who knows what the names are. And they literally just go around Disneyland together and they're not they're not doing illegal stuff because then, you know, Disneyland's probably better policed than than most places uh, in the country. But they literally, like, that's their thing. It might be on Saturday. They all show up at Disneyland. And these are, like, 25, 30, 35-year-old people. It's not kids. It's not, like, little, you know. But think about it. It's kind of interesting. If you live near there, like, you guys might go golfing or, you know, or do whatever for, you know, Ken loves to work out, right? How hard is it to get out of one of those gangs? You know, that's the thing. I don't know. <laughs> but but literally, I looked up, there's Disneyland gangs, and they have pictures of them, and they're like, I mean, it looks serious. <laughs> but in a way, it seems crazy. But in another way, like, if you and three buddies always went golfing every Saturday that you could. Can you play the dream thing? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I'm lifting from Joe Rogan here. But think about it. Is how If you had buddies that you golfed with, let's say, 30 weeks a year, every Saturday, 30 times a year, not every, but everyone be like, isn't that great? You know, Fez is getting, not the Fez golfs, but Fez is getting his leisure time and he's keeping his connections, even though he has a son. But is that any more wild than saying, hey, you're going to meet at Disneyland every Saturday and you're going to walk around and you're going to feel a sense of community? You know how bowling, like bowling might be the better analogy, right? They have the, they have uniforms, they have their names. Like bowling is like a gang, right? This is yeah. interesting. Now you're hitting Fezzik. There you go. <laughs> You bowl fast? That Northwestern bowling team. Come Everyone on. from the Midwest bowls, RJ. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I did like once when I was nine, and that was it. Really? I, I was not. I, it, I don't know. All right. Here's my question about this line move. I can't tell if Brad's thinking it's so awesome to be part of this podcast or RJ's crazy or probably 50-50. Yeah, I was going to say a little bit of both. <laughs> Fifty-one fifty. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that Van Halen? That is a great album. <laughs> Sammy Hagar. There you go. I don't think Sammy Hagar and Great necessarily go together. Now that, that album, yeah, no, that fifty-one fifty is a great album. David Lee Roth and Van Halen, they had a lot more better albums. Yeah, but, yeah. But yeah. that one is the one. No, that that's for what knows. speeding or what's fifty-one? No, that's I can't drive fifty-five. Is the one. But what's speeding. the fifty-one fifty stand for? It's like a. It's like the police code, isn't it? For something. 
Uh, you know, I'll look that up. As one of you guys is talking at some point, I'll look right. that up. Yeah, this please is look it up. It's probably in there in your files with the Disneyland <laughs> gangs. <laughs> I wonder, I mean, we have six figures listening to this podcast. I wonder how many are going to look that up. I mean, you got to figure at I'm least I'm going to look it up. Yeah, honestly, I got to figure go maybe 10,000 yeah. people at yes. minimum will look this yes, up. Yes, absolutely. This is how things spread virally, yes. right? Uh, Whenever I get hit with a bad beat. I put on, I can't drive 55 if I'm below 55% on the year and I crank it up. You know, what's funny about Fez? Yeah. Whenever he tries <laughs> to not be just like rain man. Yeah. It's almost like he doesn't speak the native language. Like he'll try to like tell like something that seems like, you know, semi like pop culture, but like he's going totally off. Like he's talking about bad beats yeah. and then, it, but he's, the, he's talking about like, it's just like, you know how like foreigners that aren't used to the culture yeah. will not like quite get it. <laughs> do you feel that? Or do you think you're saying like when you were ready to say it, you contemplated saying, that, I right? can't drive <laughs> 55. Wow. <laughs> now he's like doing a learning disabled imitation or something. But listen, let me ask you a serious question. When you were thinking about saying that there was a point of popped in your mind. Right. And then you don't say everything that pops in your mind, though. Right. So you actually deliberated. Did you think when you said it, it was going to be like right on? Or did you think I don't care if it's on? I want to be involved. Or did you think, hey, I'm I'm kind of acting like Andy Kaufman here a little bit. Like what? And it's, so I'm going to say something I know that RJ is going to talk about, but that makes me endearing. Like what was the thought process? Whenever I hear this song, <laughs> I think about as a goal as a handicapper, it's to hit 55%. So okay. it always reminds me. So of it that. made you so happy that you had something that felt like pop culture and you knew Sammy Hagar sang this song. You just had to say it. Seen the video? Yeah. I'm a part of the gang. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Ken was acting a little weird before the show. I think you guys all had like six drinks or something before I showed up and I didn't know it. All right, but back to that was great, by the way. But back to serious stuff, because this is actually we might get an only in dreams for this one, because I think it's important. Ken said something at the very beginning of his handicap. He said, "I don't know why the line's moving, you know, in your favor." And I, I never, you know, it's funny. You think I should know this? How do you say if a line, if you like the favorite lane three, and the game goes to four, the line moved against you but in favor of the team right so the team got more expensive which is kind of good for the team that's like a, a thumbs up to the team but your bet got more expensive which so you're on the expense side they're on like the revenue side like so how do you say so if you had it at three and it goes to four the line move confirmed my opinion no i yeah i understand that but let, let's just say you weren't going to play let's say you haven't played it yet did the line move against you yeah, right. Like, because you would have laid it at three, but you're not going to lay it at four, let's say. But it moved against you, even though it confirmed you, and even though it was in favor of the team you like. Yeah, and so I say I'm late. <laughs> I'm late to the party on this one, is what I usually say. I, haven't yet. <laughs> I wasn't asking like for your little catch. In Fez's defense, he won't give out a play unless he's already played it at the right number. No, no. I well, true enough, and that's oh. one of the pro things that he does, and I think the pros in general try to do that really well. But Brad, you ever think like, how do you say, what would you, if you're talking to your buddy, say, Hey, let's say you said, I'm thinking of betting this team at three and next day it's like, Hey, did you bet 
So and so. Yeah, I would say the line moved against, against me. me. Yeah, I would say. That. Yeah, mm-hmm. but and I think that's the right way yeah. to say. It, but it feels like whenever I say that, it feels counterintuitive because it didn't really move against the team. It moved in favor of the team yep. that you liked. Okay, so here's the thing: the line moved. Okie State. They were getting six and a half, or I'm sorry, they were laying six and a half. Now they're laying four. So open to now. So this is a better bet now at minus four yep. than it was at six and a half. Now, everyone doesn't think like that. I was on, I do Atlanta, uh, the fan down there. They're a big CBS station. Great guys. Great city for gambling down there. I never really knew Atlanta, you know, from a radio perspective, but the feedback we get on Twitter is just so strong is a guy told me, he goes, I don't like this team so-and-so and they were minus four. He goes, if they were six, I'd love it. And it's like, what? And, but it actually makes sense because it goes, this line of four doesn't seem right. It seems so cheap. I must be missing something. Okay. Well, here, right? here, and thus, I don't want to bat it. But if it was six, I'd bat it because the line would seem fairly right, but I still think it should be a little higher. Well, here's the thing too, because you have uh, 15 games and we're picking a best bet. And there were two other games that I looked at initially as having bets that I like better until I saw Cam Phillips out, confirmed out. Now, McMillan, like I said, the running back's one thing, but Cam Phillips is such a major part that that took me away from two other games that initially. No, no, no. I liked I'm not better. questioning. No, no, no. I, I'm not I mean, questioning I'm your saying. handicap at all. Right. And, I, and I think it's insightful about the injuries and all that stuff. But the point I'm making, Fez, this is what I tell people, and I'd like to hear how you approach it. And, and I think I've told Colin this on our Saturday podcast with his Blazing Five, is I said, if you can understand why the line is wrong, then you embrace it being wrong. And for me, most of the time, it's going to be some variation of public bias as in, hey, this team just won. Like, I understood. I loved, and I mean, it's easy to take a victory lap after the fact, but I loved, loved, probably my game with, I don't, you know, sell picks and games of the year and all that, though I love the, con. you know, it's funny, games of the year have a concept of, you know, kind of like, you know, the hardcore sellers love those games and that's, you know, people, you know, Jim Feist or those old school guys. But if you think about it, a game of the year makes a ton of sense conceptually. Like, this is the game I'm going to bet the most on this year. It's my game I like best. So to call it anything but a game of the year seems absurd. And it's funny, well, you shouldn't have games of the year. So it's like, well, wait, I should actually then withhold information from my followers. Like <laughs> someone paid for Brad's season of college football, but Brad likes this game more than any other, but he shouldn't tell them. I mean, it's absurd, right? So but I, again, that's something pregame has to work very hard on, which is dealing with the history of this industry, which has got a lot of spottiness to it and what we're trying to do. And again, obviously we're not perfect, but we try really hard to be perfect. But, but I guess Fez, I, I look at that Kansas city game and I, it was probably my, I know it was my physically biggest bet of the NFL season. And I gave it to everyone. And, you know, we were even on the dream preview as we kept talking about that game. I'm like, man, I like this game more than any other, even though I had another game as my best bet. Cause my mind changed during that conversation. And, and then on Fox, we, we, I, you know, really was adamant. Yep. I'm making a big bet on this game. It made sense to me though. KC had such a bad streak for so long. People were looking at the uh, offensive improving and thinking, ah, oh, it's kind of random, but I thought it was about the OC calling plays. And I also thought the Chargers, if as you helped me see this, the Chargers not only have been playing well, but they've got 
met these teams at really opportune times for the Chargers. And thus, it was a little easier than even it seemed, like the, the Cowboys having three key guys out, et cetera. Even though I thought the line was crazy, I understood why it was off. Go. You nailed it. You can't be paralyzed by the money. In that Kansas City game, money came in on San Diego. It opened pick. Moved San up. Diego? <laughs> yes. It moved up to San Diego. I call them San Diego. They'll always be the Chargers to me. Uh, they've been San Diego in one-fourth of the time. The Chargers went up to minus two, and it'd be easy to say, and this is what a lot of people say, oh, sharp money on the Chargers. No, it's money on the Chargers. Why is there money? And then you get back to what you were saying, RJ. You, If you know more than what the market the underlying market and the public knows it's moving these numbers. You can make an informed decision and say, Hey, this is just wrong. They don't understand the chargers nearly as well as I, another example about being paralyzed by line moves. Look at the Steelers hosting the Bengals opens five and a half. That line comes all the way down to three and a half. If you understood what was going on, you're like, the Steelers are way this is better. Like eight weeks ago, eight yeah. weeks ago, way better than the Bengals. And even last week I made a mistake here. I got afraid. I got paralyzed by the money. I like Buffalo against Miami. RJ asked me to make, the number, and I said, I think it's closer to six. It comes down from four to three. I'm like, ah, oh, I clearly missed the boat on this one. No, I just didn't trust myself enough. If you're all in doing the work, trust your work. But here's the thing. No one, and, and I think everything you said I agree with, but I want to put a key last point on it. And Ken, you actually can help me with this because you've received, in my presence, we've talked about it a number of times, You'll get texts or something and and it's like this guy's out or, you know, things that just aren't out there because, you know, SIDs, you know, guys up and down the organization, announcers all throughout college sports. Right. Mm -hmm. And you've done a great job of cultivating that, having that on your those people on your radio show and all that. I could be the best handicapper and like literally the best college basketball handicapper in the world, the most knowledgeable guy in the world. But I don't know what Ken knows when Ken gets that text, let's say. Now, maybe sometimes I'd be getting a text at the same time, but not always. If Ken was moving numbers, right, if Ken was part of a syndicate and all of a sudden that line moves against what I thought the handicap was, or let's say I thought the line was I'm a lean on the team and then it moves against me. And no, it moves <laughs> for me in this case. And now all of a sudden I'm going to bet the game. I'm going to stop and think, wait a minute, what don't I know? So to me, Fez, it's not just do you trust yourself. I don't think you can ever trust yourself so much to think you always know everything. I think can you explain the quote-unquote crazy line? And if so, you don't have to feel like there's something you don't know because you're explaining it. If a line just doesn't make sense, like let's say they put a total out on a game that should be 44 at 29. Like just boom. And, and it, it's not some mistake. The whole market has it, right? You're going to wait a while before you bet that 29 aren't over. I'm going to look into what the heck is going on. Exactly. I'm ask people, call exactly. around. And, and every now and then we had the, that college basketball game, RJ, where they just copy the wrong no, number. I, and that's why I said that because I didn't want to get distracted by that. Sometimes a line will come out with one place. So just get the thing wrong. And then the, and, and then as you said, there's so little action in college basketball total, specifically in this case. Everyone copied it, but then it quickly got bet up to where it should be, right? And they moved it pretty fast. So that shows the ignorance sometimes of the of the bookmakers, which is one of the reasons I always say bookmakers do a lot of things well. They're not necessarily good handicappers. But 
setting aside something like that, if it's an NFL line, it's out of 29, you're going to call everyone you know before you bet it. Absolutely. And the beauty of what Ken does is he can look like a total square ball here. He knows the point guard is out for Nevada Reno and no one else knows it. And they're like, oh, Ken Thompson, that's a square bet he's making here against Reno. They're awesome. But he knows more than the market knows. And no matter how much you know as a batter, there's times the market knows things you don't. So I think the real actionable takeaway here is, and and I really want to slow down and say this one more time because I think it's so valuable because people get so mixed up on this. They'll see a number and say, oh, that seems too good. I'm going to go the other way. I've actually heard people do that. And it's like, if you can understand the bias, and usually it's going to be because the public's in this. Like if it's some Portland State in college basketball, and unless I'm very confident I know more than the market, then I'm just going to bat and feel fine. And in general, there's 20 games a day, or not 20 games a day, 20 games a week I think the line's way off on because I just know more than the market. That's not the case for me in college basketball. There's some people that's the case for but if you're not that person, you got to look and say, why is this line off? And if you can if you can apply it to the public biases, a team just had a blowout win or someone's injured and they think it, this happens all the time. Someone's injured. They think it's a big deal. But really, the backup's nearly as good. So they've got the line adjusted three points, but it shouldn't be. Well, that's an example. You know why the line's wrong. So you bet it without a problem. But if you don't know why the line's wrong, you should spend some time to figure it out because that does scare me. You got as a batter myself. Do you guys all generally agree? Absolutely. I agree. All right. Good stuff. Ken's best bet on Oklahoma Oklahoma state. State. All right. Next game. Uh Oh, crossfire time, crossfire time. We've got Virginia. We got Navy and Navy is favored by one. And Ken Thompson likes Virginia. Steve Fezzik likes Navy. Ken, go. Well, I understand it's a military ball, but I still think Navy's still wondering how they lost to Army for the second straight year after beating them 14 straight years. So I think there's still going to be some doubt there. Now, look, it's a service academy. We know they're going to be focused the best they can. Kenny Niamaloa, I know him personally, does a great job over there for the Naval Academy. But I like what Bronco Mendenhall is building over there in Charlottesville. And I like Bankert, the quarterback. Ellis, a good, solid running back. They have three good receivers and a team that really plays like they have continuity. I mean, just a team that has that team concept down. And that was Bronco Mendenhall's deal up there in Provo, Band of Brothers. He's building that same concept there. Virginia, it's a big game for Virginia. They They haven't made a lot of bowl games in years past. This is one they're looking forward to. And I think Navy, again, is still demoralized because their season ended with a loss to Army for the second straight year. All right, so Ken on Virginia. Fez, you like Navy. Yeah, I think Virginia's a little overrated. 3-0 and in games decided by six or fewer points. We talk about you win all these close games, you get a better record, you become a little bit overvalued. I'm not worried at all about Navy being flat. Service Academy, Bulls discipline they don't get distracted at all they're six and three against the spread their last nine bowl games basic strategy i look to play on the academies in bowl games further the game as ken mentioned it's um the 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 armed forces bowl marine corp memorial stadium big home field advantage in annapolis for navy as well i like navy all right so ken what is your what is the one thing about his handicap you most disagree with no, I don't. I don't disagree uh, much as far as service academy. You know, looking forward to the ball. I just don't think they have the team that they've had with the skill position players. I mean, Malcolm Perry and Ab are both good, solid quarterbacks, but they just don't have the same 
defense that's able to clamp down in big plays. They weren't able to shut down Army. And if you can't shut down a team that's one-dimensional, that all they do is run, they don't even throw the ball. If you can't shut down that team, how are you going to shut down a team that mixes it up nicely? And that that's where I'm at. I think Virginia's a, a two-dimensional team. They can run it decently, but they can throw it well. And Banker went into Miami of Florida, and Virginia had them down by two touchdowns twice. And this is when Miami was undefeated and on the rise right there. So this is a Virginia Tech, a Virginia team that can get up and uh, – and I think take care of business. I think they have just too much offense for Navy. So, Fez, what part uh, – because here's the thing. You guys are seeing all the same data. And you're on opposite sides. So what's interesting is make your case. But then it's interesting to say here is – you know, for example, uh, you know, we disagreed on uh, Jimmy – or I, what game – what was the – well, you're going to love this because it, it won so much. But, I, oh, Seattle. Okay. We disagreed on the Seattle game – on Sunday, and we did a crossfire. You were playing right. I was playing wrong on the game. But I understood why we disagreed, right, is I felt like Seattle's energy was there more than it turned out to be, and I felt like the D was playing better than it seemed like, even though they had three guys out. And I also felt like the O-line was playing better than, than people thought with Brown. You looked at all that and said, maybe, 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 but, and you had other reasons for liking it. But you understood why I liked it. You just disagreed with it. Ken's not crazy. You're not crazy. What is it, though, he's saying that you plainly disagree with? I think what's resonating when I'm listening to Ken is he's saying that Navy's way down because they lost to Army and they always beat Army. But I think that the way they lost to Army, they outplayed Army. I watched the whole game. It was a perfect storm of bad stuff that happened for Navy. It was a blizzard. Army was dressed in white. So they are completely camouflaged, which is an advantage. Secondly, all Army does is run. They throw the ball twice a game. There's only three passes the entire game. The weather was so bad. Navy doesn't throw very often, but Navy does throw the ball. Navy could not throw the ball in the game. It wasn't that Navy couldn't stop Army. They stopped Army for the most part. It's because Navy could not utilize their passing game at all in that blizzard. All right. So we got two things here. One, we're going to get Brad's lean on the game, and then we've got the sharp money report. So... For every game that there's been any significant sharp money, straight from CG Technology, biggest bookmaker in Nevada, will tell you, in this case, we're letting the sharps grade it. But first, Brad, who do you lean towards? Yeah, I lean with Ken and Virginia here, plus the point, uh, and basically a pick em game. And here's the thinking here. So here's what I like to do, because I, I want to go back into these two are setting the goalposts in two different spots. What do you agree with the most about Ken? Well, let me. here's what they're kind of missing. Bronco Mendenhall has a lot of experience defending the option. Last 10 games dating back to his BYU days, he's 9-1 straight up, 9-1 against the spread. And they defended an option team this year against Georgia Tech, a game that they... So hold on, 9-1 against the spread against option teams. Yes. How in the heck do you have that stat? How do I have that stat? I went back and looked through all the team, option teams that he played back as a BYU coach and then at Virginia. And you did that for this, hand, for this handicap? Yes. That's strong. <laughs> yeah. So just... do you have a list of those games? Uh, in front of me right no, now? No, no, absolutely. But what but I'm yeah, saying absolutely. is write a note down. Yeah. We'll put those games out and tweet that out because this is, I mean, seriously, this is great stuff, right? Because having a database, it, it, you, most people don't know how to use database, but having it and be able to say, hey, Urban Meyer is a dog. But when it's something it's not tagged in the database, you have to do it by hand, that's truly valuable info. So that, that. It's pretty that, much what, record against Air Force? 
Yeah, Air Force, and he's got a couple, uh, you know, covers against Georgia Tech. Since he's Ken, been is Ken trying to diminish your accomplishment? No, that's all right. But didn't no, do no, that. I'm, just, I'm just saying. I mean, outside, no, no, outside of Air Force, I don't know option teams that BYU plays because New Mexico wasn't running the option when Mendenhall was there. No, no I understand. But how long was Mendenhall the coach of BYU? Uh, 10, 11 years. Yeah, so, but you're saying it's, all right, so that's an amazing stat, uh, especially if it's more than, like you said, even if it's a majority one team, if it kept up with one or two others, it still was like, wow, okay. All right, so go on. Yeah, and obviously they already defended it this year in Georgia Tech, and I know they gave up 36 points, but they were more than a touchdown underdog. Won the game outright. That's back-to-back outright upsets for him against Georgia Tech, and that's what I look for. I look for particular matchups, and when you got quirky offenses, we're going to mention this a couple of times, I want to see experience defending it, and I also think advantageous for Virginia to have three, four weeks of prep for the offense. Extra time. That's another macro concept. Extra time against quirky offenses. Fez, listen, there's no shame in coming off something. Are you fading that Mendenhall stat? I was unaware of the Mendenhall stat. That's what I'm saying. But I was aware that Georgia Tech, well, think about this. We're saying, oh, well, he's awesome at defending the option. Georgia Tech put 36 on them. 36 doesn't mean anything. It matters. What's the pace of the game? What was the yards per play in that game? They had like 400 yards, but... I mean, clearly Georgia Tech was able to run the option effectively against Virginia. And and what and what um, are you really telling me that? Uh, uh, let's say a stat is is what were you saying? Nine and one against nine the spread? and one against the spread. And and one of those wins was this game, but this game is telling you that spread that that trend's in, invalid. When you exceed I, expectations. I think the eight and one is much more relevant than the one game against Georgia Tech where but they you're did making, not stop the option. But you're making year. the one game somehow contradict in a way that, that invalidates the, the, the other nine. I was unaware of the other nine. And now I'm asking you, do you want to back off your light? Yes. Oh, my God. I love it. I love it. This is a sign of what this show's about. Seriously. Is no matter how smart you are alone. You're not as smart as Fazek. No, you're not as smart. <laughs> Check out the big brain on Brad. Oh, that 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 is true. We're going to give Brad that one for sure. What were you going to say, Brad? Well, I think there's a, another mispricing here, and I think it's I Jesus. You, you know, George Costanza said when you when you you got him laughing, that's when you leave. Yeah, I know. You re, you want to you, you really well now. Check you, out the big brain on Brad. All right, make this one quick. All right. Well, you can't give full home field advantage for Navy. They're playing in their home stadium, but Virginia hasn't played in a bowl game in six years. They're only at a, three, a less than three-hour car ride to them. I think Virginia is going to have some slight fan support. No, you know, compared to a normal road game here, they probably have five, 6,000 fans in the stands here. All joking aside, guys, this is what this is for, right? Fezzik, though not a college football specialist, has his literally a network of people he works with with this. Ken, you can tell, spending hundreds of hours throughout the season. Brad, hundreds of hours throughout the season. But it's not like they all know the exact same things. And to me, what I have found about the very sharpest people that I've ever dealt with is they are voracious when it comes to good information. You would think it'd be ego-driven. Oh, what could they know that I don't know? Fez, you know some of the sharpest guys in town. Do you know one of them that isn't voracious for other good info? Oh, they all love it. So, and and to see it happen live like this, it's 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 one of the, I, I think that was very telling. RJ, one other thing, so I want to check with Brad, because I know he's on college football history and all that. Very rarely do you see two tacklers with over 100 tackles together on the same defense. Virginia has three of them in Mac Blanding and Kaiser between 105 and 134 tackles apiece. I don't remember seeing that 
Uh, they might, they're pretty, they're pretty lenient as far as tackle stats at Virginia. Uh, Wyoming's another team that's really lenient tackle stats. I get that from being working at Phil Steele Publications, and we'd see consistent teams that would have, you know, was very lenient when it came to awarding teams a tackle. That's why I checked. Figure you might need it. Boy, that's good stuff too. Boy, Brad, you're coming in today. You got a toboggan on for the people that didn't grow up where I grew up. Don't call it toboggans. Well, you do though, I'm sure, right? Because yeah. you got, is, I don't know. He, what do they call them? Beanies? No one has a good name. When I say, if you don't call it a toboggan, what do you call it? And they're like, uh, a beanie? And it's like, beanie? <laughs> right? What do you, Faz, you grew up with this. What do you call that? Knit hat? A knit hat. Oh, my. He God. sounds like someone's grandma. Yeah. Hey, don't forget your knit hat. You grew up in, in Jersey, right? In Jersey, yeah. What do you call that hat? I, 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 guys would have said beanie. I, I mean, see, toboggan, that's what I always yeah. said. Beanie toboggan to me was like a giant, a sled, bigger yeah. sled. That's what everyone yeah, says. Right. It says yeah, that. Toboggan. All right. So <laughs> I'm just wondering if you got like a, a some information being fed to you today. That was that's really the old. You know, I have the, <laughs> the cheat code where I have it underneath. All my right. Hat. So here's the takeaway. <laughs> here's the takeaway: is literally we're in a situation where Virginia liked by Ken and not. And Fez is now to a lean, let's call it, on Navy. That is a true crossfire. All right, double best bet time, guys. This is the game. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. Michigan State, Washington State. This is on twelve twenty eight. And right now, Washington State favored by two. Steve Fezzik, we're going to let you start. Your best bet. Best bet, Michigan State. I love Michigan State here. Washington State, complete fraud. Some of their best games this year, they've been the recipient of a beyond favorable schedule. Oh, they played good teams. They just played them at the right times. They're the, the, the Los Angeles Chargers of college football. When they got USC, USC was all injured. They were able to win. When they played Oregon, we spoke about Oregon without their quarterback, Herbert. Terrible. Well, Herbert didn't play in that game. When they played Stanford, they were just barely able to beat Stanford. That's when Bryce Love, he played, but he was all banged up. Not close to 100%. They've had fortuitous games, close wins, three losses by 34, 32, and 27. And on Michigan State's side, What's the one game everyone remembers Sparty playing? Losing by a zillion against Ohio State. For the most part, they've had a fine year all and very consistent year. They're the much better team catching points. Sparty wins. All right. Brad, you agree. Best bet, Michigan State. Yeah, in addition to that fine handicap, you know, you want to talk trends. Well, Mike Leach has a quirky offense. So how does he do with extra time to prep or when teams have extra time to prep for his offense? How about three and eight against the number as a bull favorite? On the flip side, Mark D'Antonio, Michigan State, the best underdog program in all of college football. 17 and four against the spread here the last seven years as a dog. 14 outright upsets. A couple of them again this year, Penn State and Michigan. So they're carrying on that banter. And I'll let Ken talk about player personnel. Major negative for Washington State. And also Michigan State, one of the youngest teams in the country. And if any of these teams is going to benefit from an extra 15 bowl practices, it's Michigan State, not the senior-laden Washington State team. They've already peaked. Give me the Spartans to, again to win the game. Forget the plus two. Take uh, Michigan State on the money line. Ken, another way we could look at this is it's a triple like because these guys like it enough to be best bets. 
You like Michigan State, too. I do like Michigan State. Not only do I like them, I like them in the first half even more because Hercules Mata'afa, the leading sack man for Washington State, is suspended for the first half. And then the top two receivers, Tavares Martin, who's by far their fastest guy, and Isaiah Johnson-Mack. Both of these guys have been dismissed from the team. 130 catches, 1,386 yards, and 14 touchdowns between those two guys. Gone. Major advantage, Michigan State. Okay. Two questions is one and guys promise Ken's on a clock too. So uh, for his radio show. So we've been meandering a little bit, a lot of good stuff, but we're going to really stick to the points of the games from here on out. Cause we got a lot of them. Um, but one last kind of fun thing. When you find a guy's name that's super hard to pronounce for the average person, are you more inclined to include that in your handicap just to sound like that knowledgeable? No, because uh, Mataafa is by far <laughs> their best player on the uh, defensive line in Brad. But I'm saying that. in some cases, do you have a Should I mention this guy's name or not? And do you do it if he's really hard to pronounce, but you're good at it? Yeah, I, I don't mind. I mean, it comes from play by play when you have to get to know some of these difficult names, especially uh, from other countries, uh, Eastern Bloc countries. So. Uh, comes with the territory. Last question on this game. The line opened four and a half. Now it's down to two. So it's moved against Michigan State <laughs> in this case. Is there information on this or this has just got bat and it's still this good of value now? Well, I think what originally was the move, number one, wrong line. And then what's happened in the last seven to 10 days are all these player suspensions for Washington State that's happened. But, but in a vacuum, how much are those player suspensions worth point-wise? Uh, you know, when it's a cl- almost cluster injuries to your two top wide receivers, point, point and a half. All right, so two and a half points a move through the key number of three. We're saying about half of this is money and about half of this is on information. And I think it's going to keep moving. Would not be surprised to see Sparty go off as the clear favorite. All right, next game, another crossfire. This is Ken and Fez. It's Purdue. It's Arizona. Arizona favored by three and a half in this game. Fez, we're going to let you start. You like? I like Purdue. Give me the much, much better defense here. Um, They have been beyond impressive. You look at their defensive efforts. They held a Missouri team to three points. I know Missouri was struggling early in the year. They held Wisconsin to 19 points. Purdue is bread and butters. um, Very good defense. Offense is slightly above average. They have a huge coaching advantage. Brom is a huge coaching edge versus Rich Rod for Arizona. Arizona has the sexy quarterback, Tate. Everyone's talking about how good he was, and he was great. But defenses have gotten film on him, started to figure him out. The last four games, he's only averaging five yards per pass play. Clear regression going on. Purdue is the right side. Ken, you like Arizona? I do. I like Khalil Tate enough. And again, the rest factor, when you get a guy like Bryce Love or you get a guy like Khalil Tate, when these guys have rest, then you're going to see the true athlete. You're going to see a guy that was pressed into duty when Dawkins, when they made the switch, and Khalil Tate got beat up. I mean, physically got beat up because the guy was running. And I mean, look, he rushed for 1,353 yards and 12 touchdowns. He threw for another 1,289 and nine. I'd rather have him tuck the ball under and run. And now that he's got that rest, I'm good. Not only that, I get a healthy Nick Wilson in the backfield to go with J.J. Taylor. That gives me another 1,415 yards and 11 touchdowns. I've got an attack that produced defense that's so good. Are you kidding me going against Wisconsin's offense? What kind of game? Did you watch the game? Because I watched the whole game, and that game was like watching paint dry. Both offenses, and they got outgained badly in that game, but they had a couple big plays and turnovers that kept them in there because I had Purdue, and they end up covering the game, but they had no business covering that game. So I love Brom. Brom's one of my favorite coaches. I said it was a great hire by Purdue. When he gets his 
players in there, and they're able to spread out teams with speed, this Purdue team will be in the top echelon of the Big Ten within the next year or two. He'll be just like Joe Tiller back in the day. But this Arizona team, yes, Rich Rod may be a guy that's not as good a coach as Brom, but he's got players and he's got Khalil Tate, and Khalil Tate is by far the best player on that field. All right, same question again. I'm going to ask both of you. What's the one thing in Ken's handicap, Fez, that you disagree? What is the source of your disagreement? Well, all he talked about was how good the Arizona offense is and how – and the problem is he didn't talk about their defense, and there's a reason he didn't talk about their defense. They've given up 37 points in six of their last eight games, and they're giving up – get this – an average of 6.2 yards per play against a schedule of teams that only average 5.6 yards per play, which says this Arizona defense is more than a half yard per play worse than an average team. Purdue has a pedestrian offense. They'll look like a very good offense because everyone looks really good against this Arizona D. Yeah, tell me about Washington State because they have a great offense too, and they went and played Arizona and they got buried by double digits. To me, it's the same thing. You don't have to have a great defense when you have a Khalil Tate and an offense that's going to score 40-plus points against a team like Purdue that, number one, is missing Knox, who's banged up in the running game, and you have Markel Jones, who missed half the year. You're without Blau, one of the quarterbacks, so you got Sindelar. Everything is there. There's no way that Jeff Blau comes in now and, and – Bails Sindelar out if he struggles. This is a team minus five on, on the sack department, and I think Sindelar is going to be under pressure. It's not a great Arizona D, but it's good enough to slow down the Boilermakers and definitely an offense that's going to score at will, I think, on Purdue's defense. Okay, so you answered his response or his disagreement. What's your main disagreement with Fez? Well, I think Fez thinks uh, Purdue's defense is, is, is good and solid, and there's a major advantage there. Again, what did I say all year? The Big Ten's the most overrated conference in football. And I'm sorry, RJ, I know you're an Ohio State guy, but at the end of the day, these offenses inside the Big Ten pale in comparison to the Pac-12, the ACC, the Big 12, and the SEC. All right, Fez. Well, they, we, pl- they, they played Missouri. They gave up three points. and they That was played, the first game of the year. They played Louisville, who is just has an awesome offense, and they gave up 35. I think Arizona gets 35. I think we all understand the source of the disagreement. All right, we got two decision makers here. One is going to be Brad, and the second is going to be the sharp money. Brad, what's your handicap? Uh, I lean with Purdue. So I guess what resonates with me most is Fez's handicap talking about, you know, Purdue's defense and them being able to stop Khalil Tate. And once guys got film on Khalil Tate, he obviously wasn't, you know, arguably a top five player in college football. I think he's got the potential to be next year. But also, and this sounds like a broken record, Rich Rod's got a quirky offense. And again, he does not perform well in bowl games. Three and seven against the number his last 10 bowl games. And when he got extra time to prep for his style of offense and major advantage for the opponent, Lane Purdue. All right. So Lane Purdue, we think that might be the decision, but no sharps oh. are backing Arizona. Ken Strong today with the Sharps. Hey, what are you going to do? I mean, first off, Brad's from Big Ten country, <laughs> so he's going to lean towards Purdue. You know what's funny down. is in, in the book about Hannibal Lecter, not The Silence of the Lambs, but the one that the movie Hannibal was made about after. One time Hannibal Lecter told somebody, he goes, I can see why you wouldn't trust me because you know yourself so well, meaning that you are so aware of your own duplicity or, or dishonesty. You think everyone else is dishonest. Well, Ken thinks everyone has like regional bias, which is really Ken telling us he 
as regional buys. Really? Uh, what, what would that be? Jer- Jersey? I, I grew or, up in Jersey. Or, or, or your fan, regional fan buys. Ah, see? That's, that's you love now. the Pac-10, the Pac-12. Pac-12. Yeah. I, I think the Pac-12 has been a conference that because of... He's these, telling us why. No, he's because, right about we, loving them. Listen, so no, I'm just saying they've been disrespected because most of the sportscasters oh. back east go to bed before <laughs> these Pac-12 games are over. They don't even know who Bryce Love is until they see film on it. Last thing, Fest. I do want to talk about regional biases. I'm actually biased against the Big Ten and the MAC, and here's why. And this may sound crazy. I think it's very difficult to practice football in December. You've got to either practice indoors or practice outdoors when it's freezing cold. So I think that the teams from the South and the West do have an advantage, and that's why they tend to do better oftentimes in these bowl games. All right, last one, or next one. This is our last crossfire, I think. Yeah, but it's a two against one, Andre the Giant style. And actually... It's Brad Powers playing Andre the Giant in this case, and it's against Ken and Fez, obviously. And Ken actually liked this game enough that he can sit. It was close to being his best bet. So this is not only a like, but a take off the rubber band. But Brad, whenever it's two on one, the Andre gets to go first. So this is Missouri. This is Texas. And right now, Missouri favored by two and a half. You like? I like Texas plus the points here. We'll start off with talking about Missouri, and everyone sees this hot finish this season, 7-1 and against the spread their last eight games, six straight wins, blowout victories. But I question, who have they beaten in the last six weeks? Idaho, Connecticut, Florida with an interim coach, Tennessee with basically a fired Butch Jones, another fired coach in Arkansas's Brett Bielema, Vanderbilt. Are you kidding me? They haven't beaten anyone. On the flip side, you're telling me I'm getting Tom Herman one of the best underdog coaches in the country, 15-1 and one against the spread, 4-1 and one here at Texas with a much better defense. We're playing close to home where you're going to have to give Texas one and a half, two points of home field advantage, and you're going to question, hey, is Texas motivated to stay at home? Well, they haven't played, barely played bowl games here the last three years. They've only been to one. This is only their second bowl game, so I think they're excited. It's a young team with a fresh first-year coach that I think there's going to be a sense of improvement from the 15 practices. Forget the point spread. Texas wins this game straight up. Now, that was theatrical. I mean, Brad lifted up. All right, Ken, we're bringing the big up. We got, there's got to be a strong response. Fez has been on the losing end. I'm letting you lead your side. Yeah, Mizzou, yeah. So when you look at it, you know, Odom was, a lot of people thought the coach for Missouri was going to lose his job the way they started out. But not only did they get it together, they learned that they have more speed on the offensive side of the ball than defenses have as far as guys that can cover. And now you're going to take out Elliott, guy with six interceptions, and also a banged up Malik Jefferson, the leading tackler for Texas. And you're going to try and put pressure on Drew Locke, who has 43 touchdown passes, only 12 interceptions. Look, I understand the schedule wasn't the most difficult, but what has Texas done? I mean, they're still wondering who's quarterbacking. Is it Ellinger? Is it Bouchelle? They don't know. There's our arguments all the time on who should be in there. From the Texas boosters and fan base. Chris Warren, the running back's going to miss, so that puts all the pressure on Daniel Young. Look, it's a Texas team. I like the pedigree of the coach in, in Herman. But in this game, you don't think Missouri's excited? This is a team that thought they may go winless at the beginning of the year, and now they've turned it around to where they're just dominating teams because they spread them out, and you can't cover them. They go faster, and their defense doesn't have to be great because they're going to outscore you. I don't see Texas scoring a lot in this game. They had trouble with Texas Tech, and Missouri is Texas Tech on steroids. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Now, Brad, in a minute after Fez, I'm going to ask you the same question. We're going to start doing it this way. What do you most disagree with? 
But fast first, you get to give your presentation for Missouri. Yeah, and so Missouri has value because they were so bad for the first half of the year, and I'm sure Ken and Brad can discuss all the reasons why. I'm just going to tell you, in the second half of the year, they're a top 10 team. Brad brings up good points, cupcake schedule. But how do we grade teams? By how they do versus expectations. Yeah, cupcakes, Idaho and Connecticut beat them both by 40. Florida, Tennessee, Vandy beat all three of these teams by 28 or more points. Uh, could Texas have done that? Not a chance in hell. Um, final game against Arkansas, misleading final score, win by three, outgained Arkansas 696 to 446. They should have won that one by 17 to 20. This team is a top, I'd argue they're a top 10 team in terms of their last six games performance. All right. So I always love when I hear a season being, uh, I, I guess, demarcated as in, hey, this changed here. And if you look at everything after, it's a different team than before. Now, you always got to worry about sample size, right? Because three or four games could be fluky. But when there's logic to that, I think there's so many computer guys now and they're blending all these stats, season stats. I think that's a flaw in the market right now. I like when I hear that. So let's start there, Brad. Why is he wrong about that? Well, he's wrong because, you know, a lot of those teams, those blowout wins, in my opinion, were against teams that have just given up on the season. There was quit in Florida. There was quit in Tennessee. And it's easy to blow out a team when you're getting nothing back on the other side. Now, I'll agree. There but was, obviously, you didn't have monster bets against Florida and on Missouri. I did games, not right? because I didn't, you know, and no, I didn't. Great point. <laughs> so there. I'm always worried yeah. after, like, if you had monster bet, I'm always worried after the fact, like, explain in a way good performances because, oh, that team gave up. But fair enough. Well, I didn't know going into the game that the team gave up, but it was with that starting with that game and ending the season, it was clear that those teams had basically weighed the white flag. Now, here's where I, I think both guys are getting a little bit wrong. Missouri's offense unstoppable because in the SEC, no one runs that style of offense. What does Texas see every day in practice? What do they see every game, every week in the Big 12? Exactly what this offense is. And that's why I don't think they're going to have as much difficulty defending it as all these SEC teams did this year. That'd be, that'd be great if they could stop some of those Big 12 teams, but they couldn't stop a lot of them. Are you kidding me? They were like the number you two defense Texas in the Tech. Big 12. Are you kidding me? Well, yeah. The, how many points did Texas Tech have? 27 points for Texas Tech when they're averaging well, 40? If, a, I, how many a, did a, Texas score? So if Texas is having trouble well, scoring, that's fine, their leading but, rusher, RJ, has 364 yards on the year, and that's their freaking quarterback, Ellinger. Are you kidding me? This is a Texas program that's supposed to be run you. What happened to, you know, this great running backs from Texas all the time? Earl Campbell. Where are these guys? They're nowhere to be found, bro. They'll find one against that Missouri defense. <laughs> now that's passion. That's passion. <laughs> Sometimes passion can be scary. Next game, Boston College, Iowa. We've got... Boston College, a two and a half point underdog. I was the favorite. Ken has a total, but we're going to start on the side on this game. Brad, you like? I like Boston College plus the points here. And this is one of the youngest teams in the country. True freshman uh, quarterback, two freshman uh, running back, a couple of true freshmen starting on the offensive line. So again, if there's any team that's going to get an uplift from an extra 15 practices in my instance and least from past history says Boston college is going to be a team. And we've seen that throughout the course of the, you know, ever since the Notre Dame game, this was one of the hottest teams in the country, seven and one against the number, a couple of misleading games. It was a seven, seven game against Clemson where in the fourth quarter, they just got a little bit worn down there. That gives us some value here. And I'm against an Iowa team. I, I got questions. Is great. Iowa going to show up a team that's capable of being a top 10 team, or is it the team that lost at home to Purdue? 
Uh, when I got questions on that side of the ball, I don't have questions on Boston College motivation. Give me the Eagles plus the points. All right. Eagles plus the points. Faz, what's your opinion on the side? Yeah, Eileen BC, all that youth keeps getting better and better. Brad mentioned all those freshmen. They also have a freshman at center, and their leading wide receiver is a freshman as well. It made sense this team was going to improve. He talked about the 15 extra practices over the course of the year. This team was awful in September, and then they just turned it on. Look at this resume. They won at Louisville. They won at Virginia 41 to 10. They beat Florida State 35 to 3. This team has a huge upside and a sneaky little perhaps home field advantage. The game is in New York. Uh, Boston a lot closer than Iowa to New York City. I know Iowa travels well. Going to be more BC fans there. Okay. By the way, backing up to that Texas, Missouri, Ken. Ken had me so so impressed by the passion. I forgot to give the the final grade. Is once again Ken's on the right side. Sharps and public backing Missouri against Texas on that crossfire. Ken three and zero on crossfires. You like a total in this Iowa BC game? I do. And here's the thing: Anthony Brown, the quarterback, out for Boston College. So all these wins that Fez is talking about, Anthony Brown was behind most of those. I mean, Wade's not a bad guy, and Dylan and Hilleman are good, solid running game. But Harold Landry, their best defensive player, has been banged up. He'll probably go. They have a couple good linebackers in Schwab and Allen that should sh- slow down Iowa. Iowa's defense, though, is very solid, and both teams are going to run the ball, so that's going to keep the clock moving. I see this game going to be in cold weather. New York right now is starting to get a. It's starting to get nipper my family's in jersey and i'm telling you this is going to be one of these low scoring games where both teams are running the ball clock keeps on moving got some of the best tacklers in the game including josie jewel 125 tackles finishing up there at iowa stellar career over 123 tackles in each of his last three seasons the guy's phenomenal actually had him on my radio show and uh, the guy's a, a real treat to talk to as well but this is going to be a low scoring game i don't know if boston college can muster enough offense to win i hope the guys win it i'm just on the total give me the under 45 all right, under 45 from Ken, like on BC from Brad, lean on BC from Faz. Next game, the hits keep on coming. A triple like on this game, a triple like. It's Southern Miss. It's Florida State. Florida State favored. Wow. 16. And a, Brad, how many covers does Florida State, did Florida State have this year? One. Was it the last game? Yeah, against Florida. I guess they're on a streak. Too. They're yeah, due. They were yeah. due. I guess. All right, Faz, this is a triple like. I'm going to let you start. I'm going to keep it simple. I like Southern Miss. This game's in Shreveport. I've never been to Shreveport, but I can imagine it's probably not a top 10 destination for where college bowl players want to go. Southern Miss excited to play the Seminoles. Florida State disinterested. Give me the excited team. I agree with that, Brad. Yeah, I like Southern Miss here. And let's just talk about Southern Miss. You got it. If you're playing a, a big brother like Florida State, well, how they competed against bigger brothers this year. Can they compete with these types of teams? Well, they play Kentucky and Tennessee out of the SEC. I'll gain those two opponents by 90 yards per game. Both of those, while they did lose them, were very misleading games that should have been very close losses. And still, they would have covered both uh, in in this instance compared to this spread easily would have covered here. Let me, I did just misspeak. And before I get Twitter hate, Florida State has covered two in a row. For, Florida and UL Monroe. Monroe. Yeah, UL Monroe. I forgot about they're that. They're on a streak, baby. Yeah, they're on a streak. All right, so you saying streak boggled my mind. So thank you. <laughs> All right, Ken, you well, also like him. I do like him because Quadra Griggs has changed the uh, landscape there as far as quarterback. Fifteen touchdown passes, just two interceptions. Anito Smith over thirteen hundred yards, thirteen touchdowns on the ground. 
they'll do enough to score against a Florida State team that's not going to be motivated to play in this game. Look, Blackman's done a nice job to help get them there, but I think they breathed a sigh of relief because they kept the bowl streak intact. Now, how do you get up for playing Southern Miss and laying all those points? A team minus seven in turnovers and missing their best defensive player, Derwin James, who's going to sit out so he can get ready for the NFL draft. I just think, you know, Akers and Patrick will run the ball, and it'll be a game to where 16 and a half is a lot of points. I see this game being 10 or less. Okay, so if you actually go to the game center at pregame.com, we have the opening line, we have the current line, and this line opened at 14. It's up to 16 and a half, but the report from the smart money at CG Technology is both the Sharps and the public on Southern Miss so far. Now, that's one outlet, and one of the things about our opener, it's truly the world opener, so sometimes it can be a rogue line. Fez, I mean, what's your sense of this line move? I mean, from what you've seen, how would you characterize the market on this so far? I haven't really been tracking it too much. A lot of these bowl games, RJ, 90% of the money comes in the last two days, so I don't think it's all that significant because the games were still quite a ways away until the game gets played. Next game. Oh, my. Another triple like. By the way, if you think about that, that Florida State is a quadruple like with the smart money is next game. UCLA, Kansas State. We got Kansas State favored by two. Brad, I'm going to let you start. Hey, we've talked about Bill Snyder and the Bulls. Yeah, and he's not been good. In fact, he's two and eight against the spread his last 10. But. Uh-oh, here's the but. But in this instance, he's got a huge significant advantage over an interim coach that UCLA has in Jed Fish, who probably won't be coaching there next year because they're bringing in an entirely different system with Chip Kelly coming in at UCLA next year. So I got a coaching staff for UCLA that's distracted, and I got a quarterback that's distracted. And there's still uncertainty on whether he's going to play, whether he's not going to play. This line right now says he's going to play with Kansas State favored by minus two and a half. I think we get a little bit of a free roll here. If he doesn't play, Kansas State's going to at least a five, maybe even six-point favorite at the very least. Give me the Wildcats minus the points. So let's think about that conceptually. They uh, In finance, I think an arbitrage might be the way to say it, is if you can play the game saying there's two possibilities. One is that he's going to play the quarterback. The other is he isn't. Okay, we think there's a chance he's not going to play. If we bet it now, how much price are we paying for the chance he's not going to play. Cause if he plays, we'll get a bad number, but it's like, no, you guys. So Brad, let me ask you this question. If we knew a hundred percent that Rosen was going to play, what would this line be? I think it's maybe two. And that's where my power rating is. So, I have Kansas state, the better team. So Kansas. So you're saying the line now is assuming there's a hundred percent chance he's going to play very 90 some percent. At least. No, it's, it's got, I mean, yeah. if it's two and you're yeah. saying it should be two, it's saying oh, okay. he's playing I have two and a half. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, on my sheet. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, I'm seeing two minus one fifteen. Right. So yeah, let's just say yeah. it's saying he's playing. Yeah. And what we're, so what we're saying is what do you, th- let's go around the horn. Start with you, Brad. What's the chance that, that, that he plays Uh 65%, 75, 65. All right. So we're somewhere in 65 to 75 is so let's call it 70 just for the conversation. So 70% of the time you have a coin flip laying 110, which you don't love, but that's a very tiny price. And 30% of the time you've got your best bet of the year. Cause let's call it what's he worth seven or eight points. Yeah. At least six. Or so seven. even if, if the handicap is right now, that's going to win what about 70% of the time Faz, a tease. If you just play teases blind. 
yeah, not in college football, not in bowl games because of the variability. Probably so, 62%. All right. So if you can have, I think that's low, but if you can have 62% of the time, so you're, you're saying that if you could have right now, literally you're saying if you could have Kansas state minus two against UCLA without Rosen, you don't think that covers more than 62% of the time. It might be 64. It's not <laughs> oh 60. Goodness. It's not 68. All right. Yeah. So here's my question. And, and actually the logic of he, he's correct. The same reason we don't want to tease in college football because the points are less valuable is why we, the typical NFL team covering with it in a teaser is going to be high for my estimate here. So it's a great point he's making. Um, so if you can have a 64 percenter, 30% of the time and a coin flip 70%, that's a mighty good bet. I mean, am I thinking about that right fast? You are, but I think it's an even better bet because of the 70 out of hundred times that Rosen plays, how many of those uh-huh. RJ is he thinking to himself, Hey, I'm going to be a top five pick as long as I don't like separate my shoulder. Maybe I run a little bit less. Maybe I talk to my family and my friends and I just play it a little bit safe. I don't want to let my team down, but I don't want to get hurt either. Uh, I think that's a factor. Really good stuff. And I also think you got to wonder about the cues of the team. The fact that right now they still don't know if he's or there's uncertainty about him playing. That's got to be affecting everything, prep and all that. Ken, how's your handicap? Well, that's the same thing, you know, that Fez talking about with Rosen. I mean, here's the thing. Not only worrying about getting hurt, but worrying about getting hurt again. It's not like he's been unscathed in his college career. That's where it comes into play even more so. So I think maybe they do pull him. Uh, but the other thing is their backup quarterback monster right now is banged up too. So he's got a thumb injury. So right now, you know, we're not sure quarterback situation with UCLA here. Here's the thing for me, Kansas state. And I understand Snyder's bowl record isn't good, but the one thing you get from Kansas state, I don't care what time of season it is. You get a team that's disciplined that doesn't beat themselves. And you give me a disciplined team like a Boise state that came here. And I was on the wrong side. I had Oregon, but I was there at that game on the field and watched how disciplined Boise was. And they dominated that game. I knew I was on the wrong side right away. Couldn't get off it. It's too late. This game, I think I'm on the right side because I have a team with discipline that knows who's playing and is happy to be in a bowl game. And Skylar Thompson, the quarterback, is good enough. If Delton doesn't go, I think Thompson's good enough and the running game is solid too. And that's one thing, again, that UCLA has not done this year is take care of running the football. They struggle mightily doing it. Last thought for me, open question, is if somehow Rosen plays and let's say UCLA gets down 17, but it's only the third quarter, do they maybe pull him? Because it's like, hey, you gave us your shot, but how much of a shame would it be if you get hurt here and, you know, trying to throw from behind? And all of a sudden now, even though it's a small chance, that chance that UCLA comes back is even from a deficit is lessened. I don't think they'd pull him, especially with what Ken said, that the backup quarterback isn't even healthy. But under that theory, that same rationale would mean that your guess is 65 percent he's playing isn't good. Well, that's up to him, really. I mean, yeah, but it's also like, obviously, the 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 coach is going to empathize. I mean, do you think they hate Rosen for feeling ambivalent right now? No, and they've already protected him this year. They put him in street clothes in a game against Washington. He was getting banged up. They were having problems protecting him. It's not like he was injured enough not to play. They put him. They sat him. That's, that a, that's a great. They were point. down twenty four points. So in there's that precedent one. for them to sit him down. You're right. So you were saying I had a great point. Yes. yes. But when I said it, you disagree. When Brad agreed, <laughs> it became a great point. I, pro- I process information slower than you do, RJ. I don't know about that. All right, next game. Oh, a pros versus Joes. I'm hoping someone 
Oh, this is going to be fun. All right. We've got, <laughs> we've got North, Northern Illinois, Duke. Duke is favored by five in this game. This is a pros versus Joes. Let's set the scene. And, oh, yeah, this should be fun. We've got Ken Thompson with the only like. Remember, you only get hit with Huey if a like disagrees with the pros. And right now, this is straight from the biggest bookmaker, lest there be any questions, straight from the biggest bookmaker in Nevada. The, the Sharps are on Northern Illinois, and the Joes, the public, are backing Duke. So Sharps, Northern Illinois, public Duke. Duke is favored by five. Ken, who do you like here? I like Duke. <laughs> I'm just anticipating. Oh, oh there it is. See, when they know it's coming, you make them wait, Brad. A little tip. Fair enough. There you right, go. Hit me, Ken. Well, here's the thing, too. And, and I found out late that uh, Duke is going to be missing their kicker, which could come into play in a game like this. Guy was 17 to 21 field goal range. The kid that's going to kick has only had one field goal attempt in his college career. So that could come into play as well. But Jordan Huff, starting running back for Northern Illinois, is out of this game. And that's key. Jones in, uh, isn't bad. I mean, in his replacement, but not as good as Jordan Huff. I like Childers. He's not a bad quarterback for Northern Illinois. And they're another blue-collar team that always you're always going to get their best effort. But I think Duke has too much speed for him. I think Wilson and Brown out of the backfield will be good. And Daniel Jones is a quarterback that makes plays. And I think he's going to make enough of them here that Duke's going to outscore Northern Illinois. Okay, so lean or like on Duke. And Brad, you lean Duke. Yeah, I do lean with Duke. And look, normally I'd want to play against a, an ACC team here playing Northern Illinois in a quick lane bowl. But I actually think Duke's probably excited to be in this bowl game. This team was dead in the water. They're four and six, and they have to out pull outright upsets in each of the last two games to get to this bowl game. And plus, I trust David Cutcliffe as a head coach, especially compared to Rod Carey's 0-4 in bowl games for Northern Illinois. But here's why it's not a like for me. Duke in uncharted territory here. They have not been a bowl favorite since 1989. They've been in a lot of bowl games recently, but they've been in that disrespected underdog role. Now they're playing the favorite here. A little bit of concerns there. Northern Illinois is a great dog, 7-1 against the number, last eight against Power 5 teams. So, Brad, let me – this is actually a concept we haven't talked about yet. Let me do it quickly. If you have, you know, three-plus weeks to prepare for a game and the Vegas line – I think most kids know the Vegas line anyway, you know, players – but if you have all that time, you certainly are going to know the line and this idea. And you hear this in the, the I think the BCS game, because there was a lot of really small underdogs. There was like many years in a row. This is before the playoffs where that BCS underdog won because the theory is you're hearing you're the underdog that whole week. And, and it works against with the favorite, which is there you're hearing you're supposed to win. So maybe you eat that last chicken wing or you chase that last girl or whatever you're doing that 20 year old kids do is. So that for you is a key factor in a bowl game is this disrespected underdog concept. Absolutely. It is on both ways, whether you're, you're talked up as a big favorite or vice versa. You said it very eloquently there. So when is it just, is it every dog has an advantage and every favorite has a disadvantage or what's the scenario? No, not necessarily. I look for outliers. Like I just mentioned, Duke being an uncharted territory and they're not used to getting talked up in this case, particularly in a bowl game. But so are they, they going to be susceptible 
to the effect of this phenomenon. There's a basic phenomenon that's there for all the teams. It's just how susceptible are the teams to fall prey to it? Maybe slightly, but I would trust, you know, Duke is a high academic institution with a veteran coach. I don't think they're susceptible as other teams would be. And that's why but I I'm saying in Duke. general, you can decide on the disrespected underdog or the lackadaisical favor based on their susceptibility, or is this a, with a dog? It's not susceptible. It's, are they passionate enough to care about being a dog? Yes. All right, Fez, you're, you, you actually lean with the smart money and against Ken and the, and the public on Northern Illinois. Let me make my case. Duke is super excited to be going to a bowl game. They're four and six dead in the water and they beat two good teams, but I don't believe that they're super excited to be going to Detroit, Michigan <laughs> during the holidays for a bowl game. Whereas the kids from Rockford, Illinois, absolutely. They're happy to be going to D- D- Detroit. One squad's happy. One squad is unhappy with their, the, the venue further. Northern Illinois is eight and four. They could be 11 and one. They've got four cl- close losses. They lost one game all year by more than seven points. They lost by 10. They outgained San Diego state, a good team by 150 yards. I can make the case. This is really a 10 and two team playing a six and six team catching Five points, absolutely give me the dog. Hey, real quick, RJ. I, I think Northern Illinois would be excited to go to Ford Field in Detroit if they were playing in the MAC championship, which is where that MAC championship is played. But they didn't make it, and now they go there as a bridesmaid because they didn't win, and that's what they get. They get to go to a place that they would have gone had they been one of the best teams in the MAC. Excellent stuff. Next game is going to be quick because there's a lot of injuries. And we always say bet as early as you can in bowl games because the lines move a lot. When I say as you can, as when you're confident, when you have an opinion you want to back with your cold, hard cash, but with injuries especially, is sometimes you got to wait. So uh, it's not always bad early. It's Utah. It's West Virginia. Utah right now favored by six and a half with extra juice. Brad, why don't you explain to us real quick, what is the injury situation first? Yeah, first off, it's West Virginia quarterback Will Greer, a top 10 quarterback nationally, maybe not as far as name recognition, but he is. Stats say he is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Got hurt in uh, the game before the, the regular season finale, so we don't have a lot of data points on his backup. And I'll say from this line is they, they don't have a lot of confidence in the backup getting any better in the 15 bowl practices. I'm passing, though, because on the flip side, you got a head coach in Utah's Kyle Winningham, one of the better bowl coaches in the country, nine and one straight up, seven and three against the number. I'm passing. All right, Fez, you actually have a lean here. Yeah, I'll lean Utah. I'll bet Utah as soon as Will Greer is reported out. I don't know if that will be the case, but if that is the case, here's the. So do you think the price, right? What is the price assuming right now? I think it's assuming 50-50. Oh, no, I think that they're saying doubtful. Definitely doubtful. So, Brad, what's the line with them and without them? That line with Will Greer, I would say Utah three and a half or four without him. Uh, I think he's worth probably at least four points, so seven and a half or eight. But even if he plays, he's not going to be close to 100%. Yeah, and broken finger on his throwing hand, great point. I totally disagree. I think if Will Greer's playing, that West, it's a pick em game. Utah's uh, if he's 100%? Or, yes. If, if but, he's 100, he, but he can't be 100%, right, if he's got a no, broken finger? No, and that, that's the thing. I, yeah. I think... It, West Virginia's offense is so much better than Utah, and this is not a great Utah defense like it's been over years past. I think West Virginia probably would be a favorite in this game if we knew Greer was 100%. And, of course, their running back, Justin Crawford, who had 1,061 yards, he's out of this game as well. All right, great stuff from the boys today. All right, next game, pros versus Joes. Oh, no likes on this one, so Huey's getting a rest. We got Houston, we got Fresno. Houston favored by two and a half. With some extra juice in this game, 
Can you lean? Yeah, I lean Fresno State. And I'm just uh, leaning to our team that I feel has the better coach. And the better coach is Jeff Tedford, who is Mountain West Conference Coach of the Year. What a job he did turning his team around that won only one game last year. And he's got a plethora of running backs now that Mims and Hokett have helped out since Ronnie Rivers got hurt. But now all three are there. Keyshawn Johnson, no relation to the great Keyshawn Johnson, is an outstanding receiver. and is going to be a tough cover for Houston. Houston's erratic as far as quarterback. They started with Kyle Allen. They went to Postma. Now they're with Derek King. So they, they're trying to figure things out. Also, Bonner, who's a second-best receiver behind Dunbar on that team, he's questionable with a shoulder injury. So that comes into play as well. Fresno State, 32 sacks on the year, only allowed nine. That's key. I think Derek King or whoever quarterbacks for Houston is going to be under duress. I think Fresno State wins. They've already won a game in Hawaii. That's where this game is. And I think they take care of business again. Uh, great. hand. I love the idea of if you have an unfamiliar venue, even if you're there once, think about if you play golf or if you shot, you know, play basketball in the day or even now is being on that court one time makes a difference. Leaner like Brad. Yeah, I lean with Fresno, and that is the handicap. Familiarity with not just any venue. We're talking Hawaii, where it could be a business trip or a pleasure trip. And when you got a very young head coach in Major Applewhite, first year as far as prepping his team, I think there's going to be some distractions. At least I got to question it. Meanwhile, I got a veteran head coach in Jeff Tedford. The team already visited here, beat Hawaii earlier this year. I think this is a business trip for them to cap off a season. I'm leaning with the Bulldogs plus the point. So this is your one pass Fez real quick it seems like we well we clearly have lean Fresno lean Fresno why not lean Fresno for you I was looking at Fresno and I met with the math geeks and they made the game my math geeks Houston minus four and they did not tell me why they just said that's what their computer model was so I don't want to go against it it's the computer said it what I mean who can question that Uh (laughs) Uh (laughs) that's a whole other podcast all right what's the sharps think Sharps on Houston in this game. Houston. All right. Next game. We got three left, guys. Real quick. Um, so we'll have the big games. All, you know, everything after, what was it? The, the 28th, 29th, 29th, 29th yeah. onward, right? Right. right. We'll have n- uh, next week. I'm not sure if it's going to be Tuesday or Wednesday. We'll talk about because Tuesday's the day after Christmas. We'll figure that out. But either way, you guys are good through a couple more days after that. So we're good through the 28th. So that's good. Um, also just because this is misaligned with the release dates and such is we're going to be in a situation where, uh, no coupon or anything this week, but I'm going to make up for it with something very special that gives you guys a chance to, uh, if you want to get involved with the NFL playoffs, or if you want to get involved with college basketball, I'm going to give you guys a really special coupon next week that lets you, uh, I'll make up for it this week. And Ken's down. Ken, you've got like less than five minutes at this point. So let's pick the game Ken has the strongest opinion on. You like, you like, and you pass. So let's try to get these through two real quick. These are all on the 23rd. Um, we've got, oh, this is a triple like. Army, San Diego State. You know what I'll do? I'm going to do that one next. And Ken, right after you give your like, you can run. So let's go here. Texas Tech, South Florida. South Florida's minus two and a half. And you're the only one with a like on this, Ken. Yeah, I like Texas Tech. I just like uh, the you know the offense when it's clicking. I just think they're uh, they're going to play a South Florida team that really hasn't played a tough schedule. And I do like Quentin Flowers. He's an outstanding talent. And Tyson Johnson, not bad in the backfield. But again, you're coming out of the Double AC and you're playing a team that that's played Big Twelve competition. 
I think it's totally different, and it's not like they haven't seen guys that can tuck it down and, and run with it like Quentin Flowers does. And Flowers is a guy that's been able to exploit a lot of those weak defenses there in the AAC. I really think that Texas Tech's Jiminek will get it together. And they have two good running backs, and Justin Stockton, their main guy, he's back and healthy for this game, and that's key, helps out Trey King. So I just think there's too many weapons for Texas Tech. I think they win the game. Again, respect to Quentin Flowers, an outstanding player, but there's – probably maybe five or six guys on South Florida that could play on Texas Tech's team, and I don't think that's enough to to win this game. And they're they're an underdog. Texas Tech is an underdog. I think the wrong team's favored. Did you say in the middle of that there's so much drama in the LBC? You were saying something Snoop Double G. What did you say? So much drama in the LBC? No. <laughs> no, he said he named the conference oh, and he okay. said something. Oh, the something. double AC. Ah, the there, double you go. AC. there you go. American <laughs> Athletic. That that just was so smooth. It yeah. was like he was yeah, rapping. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> You're not on a mission to find War- Mr. Warren G. There you go. All right. Somehow, some way, I keep ending up funky. Oh, okay. Um, actually, it was a double like. I, I Fez had this hidden. He likes the under, but you also like tech here. Yeah, I like tech. I do a weekly hit with on the double T in Texas Tech Country, and they are super <laughs> excited to be going to a bowl game. It looked like the season had slipped away. Kingsbury. You do a double. Oh, you do a hit in Lubbock. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. I think, I think you got me that game. <laughs> Thanks for passing that. No, over I to actually me. forgot about that. But go ahead. Yeah. No, it's they're awesome guys there. So uh, they Texas Tech super excited. Upset win against Texas. They thought they were not going to bowl game. Kingsbury probably was going to get fired. Now he's been his contract has been extended and nothing but positives. They're going to Birmingham. And this is amazing. They're playing a South Florida team. The best defense South Florida has played all year long. I could not believe this. It's from my math geeks. Stony Brook. Stony Brook is the highest rated defense, an FCS team. Well, Texas Tech has a better defense than anyone they played all year long, including Stony Brook. So I expect Texas Tech to go ahead and limit South Florida and what they can do. So I like Texas, Texas, Texas Tech and the under. <laughs> he got a little route yeah. out there. So you like Texas Tech and the under. Ken likes Texas Tech. Brad, you actually have your totals play here. Uh, but it's a lean, but it's towards the over. So let's go from Fez's handicap. What do you disagree with? Well, I, I disagree with the fact, you know, Stony Brook, I'd like to see your math, math geeks. I mean, the Central Florida's defense isn't bad. At least they got a couple of players there. But here's what I see. Consistency from South Florida's offense, no matter who they're playing this year or last year. I know they played some better defenses last year. Last 28 games, they have top 30 points, 26 of them. And I think we're catching some value because who did Texas Tech just play? The top two defenses in the Big 12 that suppressed their scoring in TCU and Texas. I'm leaning towards the over in this one. All right. Last one. This is a triple like. It was also Fez's best bet. Ken, we're going to get your take, and then you'll just skip out and only miss the last game, which you passed. So this works out great. This is Army, San Diego State. It's down to six and a half here with a little extra juice. You like San Diego State. And I do, and I got to give both the guys credit because they turned me on to Rocky Long's record against option teams over the years. So he's the guy at the helm for San Diego State. And Rashad Penny got to see him up close and personal when he came here to play UNLV, And when you don't have a defense that can get outside the tackles and get out there quickly, Rashad Penny's gone. When you have that speed on the outside, you can shut him down like Boise State and Fresno State did in successive losses, the only two losses of the year for San Diego State. So I think that San Diego State will be able to get Penny outside 
He's got too much speed for Army's defense. Look, if Army's able to slow it down a little bit and, and work the clock, maybe they can hang in there. But I just think Rashad Penny's going to have a field day, and San Diego State's going to roll. All joking aside, Ken, one of the best performances, I mean, the info, everything today, one of the best dream preview performances of anybody over the years. Thank you. Your mic is now. You got any closing thoughts? No, man, I appreciate you. Thank you, and Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to everybody. And we'll be back next week, and uh, we're here for a few more minutes. Thank you, Ken. All right, Mike's off, buddy. All right, so, our, uh, Fez, you made this baby your best bet last week because it was a situation where you thought the line was going to move. Now, we always say there's no short things on the even with the line moves, and it actually moved against you here. Now, you're about 70% on these line moves, but I thought it was worth mentioning. Guys, when Fez is going to give you, when the line doesn't move at all, there's it's a wash. If it moves... Where you benefit against you, or 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 I guess where you benefit <laughs> or against you, right? Is if you benefit seventy percent of the time and it moves against you thirty, then that's a great deal, right? But let's face it, what do you think is happening here? Well, they're betting on army, and I have no oh, well, idea why. On. I appreciate oh, it. <laughs> why is that guy so chubby? Oh, because he eats too much. I okay, fig- I got it. I can't figure it out, RJ. Maybe he's eating nothing but like meat and cheese. Don't try to be funny. Let's zero in. Now, so here's the qu- <laughs> here's the question. Is are we in a situation almost like we planned it? Where if you can't tell me why the line's moving, doesn't that scare you? No. Because my I trust my math guys, and they made it so much higher. And everyone I've spoken to talks about intrinsically why there's a matchup advantage. San Diego State stopping thus, the option. Thus, this seems like the perfect example of something to be scared of. When there's no reason to understand the move, when there's no reason to understand the move, and it happens, you've got to be scared of it. I'm scared, but I also know that there was one game at the end of the college football season, and Army looked darn good beating Navy, winning outright. And I think that game has given the public perception that Army is... So you do have an idea why it's moving. Yes. I think Army... I played Army under eight wins this year. By Army, the way, just a little tip. I When I ask the questions, there's usually a reason. <laughs> Army won nine games this year. It was a miracle, RJ. I was watching and tracking Army each and every game, and they were underdog after underdog, and they should have lost so many times. This is the so what you say. It sounds like there's a massive reason that the line's moving the other way. So you're saying your typical mispricing... Uh, which is saying the scoreboard is deceiving, a faulty final, as we call it on the Fog Show, has it where those that are just looking, and remember, the bowl games have more recreational batters, not necessarily this far ahead, but they have more recreational batters, and they are going to be more susceptible to the the faulty finals and the bias in the scores, and you think that just has Army overrated in a way that the market is betting? Yes, and their final record of this sounds like a, a prominent reason. Yes, and their nine and three record. I think a lot of the public is saying, "Wow, this Army team is the best Army team that we've seen in decades at nine and three, and it's just not true. They had a cupcake schedule and got lucky. So, Brad. Break down or maybe just kind of reiterate and say, I agree with that. Why do you think this line's moving? Uh, absolutely. That is why the line move. And you've kind of stole my thunder. And, and let's face it. Well, the, it took him a while to yeah, steal. Yeah, it did. RJ's got to get it pounce. out of me. It's yeah, well, like. I was waiting to pounce. And, and let's say, you know, the public. And here's one thing that I've tracked. The TV ratings for Army-Navy are through the roof. That is a top 10 most watched game annually now in college football. I think it was the sixth most, most watched game of the entire year. So, yes, I do think it's a public overreaction. They just saw Army pull an outright upset 
even though it was a misleading game, the public's betting army, in and, my opinion. And even in that game, it's 10-7. Navy's going to score this long touchdown. The game's over. Navy's going up 10. And this army guy dives and just gets clips a, a toe of a Navy, the Navy player going in for the touchdown. And he falls down on the 10, and they don't get the touchdown. That one play, they don't make that play, and they shouldn't make it 9 out of 10 times. Navy wins that game. Absolutely. So, Brad, you actually are saying something on top of what Fat said. So this is interesting. It's the whole season and just a bias towards the, uh, you know, Army looking better than they are. But you also said the game, uh, they probably more people watch that Army-Navy game than all their other games combined on TV. Uh, by right? far, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then they saw that win. So that that's fascinating. Okay, any last thoughts on the handicap? Like, kind of reiterate why you like them beyond the line move. Yeah, well, be, well, let's give some stats behind Rocky Long, defend the option. In his career since he started at San Diego State, 14-1 straight up, 13-2 and two against the spread against all option teams. And they faced two option teams this year, one and covered. And, oh, yeah, the last team they played was an option team in New Mexico, so he'll be very well-versed in defending it. And look, I, I don't want to question motivation for a service academy, but they did just win the Commander-in-Chief Trophy for the first time since 1996, and there's only a two-week layoff. I think they could still be celebrating that win over Navy just from a couple weeks ago. All right, last thing on this game, and then we got one more, is Fez, you know, if you really listen and he says, oh, my numbers guy say that, is... Obviously, that's not giving us a ton, but it, I think it does in a different way. One, he he's not trying to make up, oh, well, there's this, there's a, no, it's like, here's how I handicap, and, and, and this is I as Fez in this case, correct me if I'm wrong, Fez, is, hey, there's certain games I watch, certain conferences I watch more of and originate more in, but in general, I'm using the numbers, I'm filtering down with experts like Brad and other people you trade with. And if and then you've got kind of handicapping the handicappers with your numbers guys numbers being uh, at the core of it and 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 then in the NFL you're the in my opinion the best public handicapper in the world so I think it's interesting to hear doing it a different way because let's be candid ninety nine percent of listeners cannot put in the time or quite frankly don't have the ability of a Brad to to do what he does, to handicap comprehensively and as an originator. So in a weird way, we would help the listeners, we would help you so much more by teaching you how to handicap the handicappers than it is teaching you exactly how to originate from A to Z. Doesn't mean you can't handicap on your own as part of your handicapping the handicappers. You just, part of that is your opinion. But hearing your, you share that Fez helps us see how you put together, you know, kind of, it's almost like you've got all these ingredients. They don't necessarily fit an exact recipe. What are you putting in that, that big pot to make it yummy? Yeah. And just to summarize where I'm going with all this is I write down the line and the total on each game. And then I go ahead and get from my math geek guys, they just send me their model and they say, here's what they make the line and the total. And then I start coordinating with my own handicapping, with Brad, with Ken, with other people, other experts. Hey, I like it because of this key factor, or that key factor, but I hate to make a bet that goes against the underlying math. If my guys make a game minus 10 and everyone's telling me, hey, we should go ahead and lay 12 on this game, I'll just pass because the math doesn't support it. All right, great stuff. San Diego State. Fezzik's best bat from last show, a triple like, and it's obviously still his best bat, but he gave you another one today. Last game, 
And remember, let's do this quick. Brad Powers on Twitter at Brad Powers seven. So you're making a commitment. You're going to get us the list of those Brent uh, Bronco Mendenhall against the option. Absolutely. All right. Um, I'll get that up uh, sometime on Wednesday. Okay. And again, I think we're taping on Tuesday. So if you're hearing this, chances are you're going to see that it's at Brad power seven, a lot of good stuff from him. And obviously up at pregame.com in the forums, same thing with Fez. It's Fezzik sports, F E Z Z I K at Fezzik sports. And also with Fez, a ton of stuff in the forums. Remember we do the dream preview and we're supposed to have Maddie again tomorrow. Last week, we got great feedback on the dream preview and the NFL edition that comes out every Thursday. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, his Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. Last game, Toledo Appalachian state, you know, as a Ohio state grad, I, 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 for some reason I like Appalachian state. I'm not sure why. Oh Uh, yeah. Yeah. So maybe one game, huh? A, A game from about a decade ago, I think whatever. It's let's just say this losing to app state happened more recently than Michigan winning any titles. We've got app state Toledo (laughs) Toledo favored by seven and a half in this game. And we got two leans Fez, Let's start with you. Yeah. I leaned to app state. I'm actually going against my math guys who made this game nine. There's an underlying trend in bowl games. The Sun Belt is 11-4-1 against the spread versus the MAC teams. Now, I'm not going to make a case that Boone, North Carolina is a fun place to be in the wintertime, but it's a lot better weather-wise than being in Toledo. And I'm a firm believer, and I don't think this gets priced enough in the marketplace, that you spend December in the cold Midwest, and it's just difficult to stay on your game. You can't practice outdoors. you got to go to an indoor facility or practice in freezing cold. And I think that the Sun Belt gets better. Their team gets better with those 15 practices in December. I don't think that the Mac does. I think their teams regress slightly and thus you get point spread value when they face each other at the end of the year. What percentage of cold weather division one teams do you think have an indoor practice facility? I would think all of them. Yeah. The 90%. Right, so then the I'm confused then. Then how, what's, what's the weather? How's the weather affecting them? Because when you practice indoors, and it's oh, you can tell when he starts slowing down. He's not sure when you practice <laughs> when you're practicing indoors, but you're but you're playing outdoors. It just throws you all off in terms of you've been playing in 33 degrees in the Mac and wind, and then your practice facility it's going to be a comfortable 68 degrees inside, heated. It's just unnatural. So they could open the doors. They could maybe and they make should. it where like in between outdoor and maybe indoor. they should. Wow, what do you think, Brad? It's a stretch. Is there an, as far anti, as the is there an anti only in dreams? Yeah. I just, <laughs> and there was even a stretch. Hey, guys, if you ever wonder if we add it, the fact you're hearing this means we never add it. <laughs> to, to be fair, RJ, when I was in Chicago in the wintertime, I would go to the gym in December and I was always sick in December and January and February. And I think that there's a lot to that, that it's just more difficult. Everyone practicing indoors you're, you're than outdoors. This, the furnace caused you sinus problems. So maybe it's just 11, four and one. And we're not really re- sure for the exact reason. And I am reaching for it. Brad, any reason why the Sun Belt has been undervalued versus the Mac? Well, it's decent, but I don't think it applies here. Apple, Boone, North Carolina at the foothills of the Smoky Mountains. I can make a case that a lot of times their weather's worse than Toledo, Ohio. Here's where I do lean with Appalachian State. 
This was a team that was the overwhelming favorite in the Sun Belt this year, overvalued in the marketplace, but now we get them back in their preferred underdog role. First time since non-conference action this year. I think the line's just a little bit high, but I will say this. Toledo lost in this very same bowl game to Appalachian State last year, so that's getting me off of it being a like on Appalachian State. Toledo, just the revenge factor. And all joking aside, guys, and I'm being 100% sincere as we wrap here, is Fez, it takes a lot of, I mean, guts really and love for the listeners. And Fez really cares, you know, and, and Brad, I mean, again, you can tell it's in the quality of the content with these guys. But one of the reasons he's here is we had two player guys that are just Ken and Brad, so good at players, but there, there wasn't enough of the kind of the market perspective and Fez showing up and, and given that I think has really helped the college dream preview. And, and quite frankly, going into his, you know, sport that's not his strong suit against two of the best guys in the world takes a, and me, my withering <laughs> <laughs> approach takes a ton of really love for pregame love for the listeners. So, I mean, I hope you see though, when something doesn't make sense to us, we shine a bright light on it. And that's why we feel real. When we all agree on stuff, we feel really good about it. And guys, thanks again. So much support. We're going to be back either Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, next week. We'll figure it out, but you've got your games up through then. So don't worry about it. And remember, as we said, NFL dream preview every Thursday this week and next week. Talk to you there. Thanks for listening to RJ Bell's dream preview. Catch the wise guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday, NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week. Hey, it's Adam Carolla. Now, if you're hearing my voice, it means you like podcasting. And if you like podcasting, well, then you're going to love my show. Lots of funny segments, good bits, great guests, and of course, moi. That's Mexican for me. So check it out at Podcast One, iTunes, or wherever you, you listen to fine podcasts. The Adam Carolla Show. Throw it on your phone. It's free. Hey, it's Jay Moore, and it is time for America's Lakers podcast. That's right. I'm going to be hosting America's Lakers podcast. My man, Aaron Larsoul, an analytical genius. He's going to bring to the table what I can't every Wednesday. Aaron. Yes. This is the official podcast of the Los Angeles Lakers. We are, and as the analytics expert on this podcast, I want to actually give you some props, Jay, because you were interrupting me at 42% of all sentences, and you're down to 34. What would you attribute this reduction to? I'm down to what now? 34%. 35. I interrupted you again. There's the gold standard and the purple and gold standard. America's Lakers podcast with me, Jay Moore, and my man, my brother, Aaron Larsoul, every Wednesday, podcast1.com.